Hey, Dr. Amy. I would love to talk about something that I have been frustrated with lately. So here's the big question. What do you do when your child is struggling in school, but the public school system is not able to offer the help or intervention that your kiddo needs? So, Terry, that's a loaded question. I think I'm going to need a little bit more background uh, so that I can uh, answer intelligently. Well, you know, my youngest is eight. And so our sweet little one um, was adopted when she was four. I won't bore you with all the details, but she um, had a lot of neglect and abuse before she joined our family um, in the first years of her life. And so she was significantly delayed and, you know, we got her lots of therapy and, and really, you know, kind of got her on track. Um, she did fine in kindergarten and first grade because she was just kind of able to follow along with the other children. But we've always noticed something that I don't know if this is what it is, but I think of it as an auditory processing problem. Um, like I'll, I'll give her a couple of instructions and she'll do the first thing and then she's just lost. It's like she just can't process um, multiple instructions. Um, problem solving seems an issue. I don't know what all it is, but it really became a problem at the end of first grade when she couldn't just sort of follow the other kids. And um, anyway, her teacher was not great. Her teacher was kind of yucky about it and kind of labeled her a bad kid, talked about her having ADHD. And um, anyway, so we did some testing. Um, so this was over a year ago before all the COVID stuff hit. We did testing through the public school system. And ultimately with all the testing, they came back and said, "There's her scores are fine. There's nothing, not enough wrong or going on that we need to intervene. She doesn't need an IEP. She doesn't need any extra help. She's fine. And yet as a mom, I know she's struggling. So especially with the weird educational situations we're in right now with COVID, everyone's in this situation mm -hmm. where there's unusual circumstances. I know it's not working, but the school isn't able to do anything about it. Yeah. So I think that your frustration is not rare. Um, I, I think that this is the type of thing that we hear from moms all the time. And there are a couple of issues happening. And um, so I'll address them one at a time. Okay. Um, the first one is that um, because of the workload that school counselors and school psychologists have, um, they pick and choose which tests they're able to administer based on cost, based on the amount of time they have. And so they don't actually have the full range of neuropsych tests available to them that a private assessor would have. And they typically only look at composite scores. And what I mean by that is uh, composite scores are averages of multiple individual test scores. Okay. And when you only look at an average or a composite score, you miss the nuances in performance. Um, and a composite score can mask a true deficit. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, so let's say your child is administered, uh, three different tests of reading skills, okay. um, comprehension, fluency, and basic, um, phonemic awareness. 
And let's say she scores a 96 on one, a 92 on another, but a 27 on the third. Yep. <laughs> well, what's the average of those? Pretty it's in decent. the 70s. Yeah, it's in the average. 70s. Right. So if you're looking at the reading composite score in the 70s, then there's no red flag. There's no problem. Uh, right. Because it masked. So we call that subtest scatter when there's a wide variation in the scores of the subtests that make up the composite. And that's the biggest problem. If you do not drill down and really examine performance on each individual subtest, you can miss deficits. And if you miss deficits, you miss the opportunity to remediate them. Well, you, I mean, you nailed it. I know you've heard me talk about some of the struggles. So <laughs> that's exactly it. She has great reading fluency. She can read out loud. I mean, even with expression, when, you know, some of her classmates are struggling just with basic reading skills, her spelling is off the charts because she's a super visual thinker. Like when she was itty bitty before she came to us, um, uh, she was very language delayed, but she did a lot of puzzles and coloring books. And she was, she just developed this amazing visual processing. And so she spells as a, like a pattern. She sees words and reads. It seems to us uh, like a pattern. So that like with spelling words, if she writes them, she'll get a spelling list. If she just writes them out two or three times, she'll never misspell that word again. And so her teachers look at her language arts and think, she doesn't need an IEP. She's doing great. We've got kids that are struggling with reading. But the phonemic awareness, mm -hmm. what you talked about, it's like processing and understanding all the sounds together when they're coming at her. She, it just isn't working. Right. So she's memorizing words, mm -hmm. right? She's, yeah. And, she, and so she's skating by because yeah. of that. Yeah. The pattern and that's, of them. That yeah. happens. We see that all the time. Absolutely. You know, and then one of the other um, issues we have is how um, percentiles are interpreted. And so um, if you look at um, s statistically, uh, the 25th to the 75th percentile is considered average. Okay. But we know that functionally, if you're performing in the 28th, 30th, 32nd percentile, that's not average. That's struggling. Okay. Yeah. And so you have to look at functional levels and not just statistically where the child is falling. And then I think the final issue is that many educators misinterpret the law. So nowhere in, in the IDEA law does it say a child has to be failing before they can receive services? Uh, yes. IDEA law. Say what that is. I-D-E-A. What does that stand for? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I should look that up real quick. <laughs> Individuals with Disabilities Education Educational Act. Educational Act. Yeah, I think so. See... Dr. Amy, you are smart. We're so used to using are. acronyms that, you know, sometimes the, uh, <laughs> what those acronyms stand for elude us. You knew it. It was hidden away there in your big, powerful mm -hmm. brain. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know what? Another, like what you're talking about, another example I wonder if other parents are struggling with is, um, so my kids have kind of had this hybrid 
educational model. I mean, I think when COVID first hit, when the pandemic first happened, kids were just all stuck at home and trying to do schooling at home. And you know what? Let's just not even talk about how much that stunk, for lack of a more right. effective word. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. We were all suddenly homeschooling, but we weren't homeschooling our homeschooling curriculum because I've been a homeschooler. It was so awful. Okay, so forget that. Now we're on to the new year, this, this school year we're in now. And so, yeah, my kids have had this hybrid model where they're in school for part of the days because they have two separate cohorts in the school. And then they're online for part of the days. So my little one, my eight-year-old with the auditory processing is how I think of it, um, with, with her deficits. Um, so when she's in the classroom, again, like I talked about, she can follow along. She can see, watch the other kids and keep up enough. Um, and so she does okay. But then with the online schooling, where the teacher's on the screen in front of them, and then all the classmates are in little boxes around her. And even though the teacher is like, you know, you need to mute it unless you do your raise your hand thing, whatever. She just, I mean, the end of the, the little lesson, the 30 to 45 minutes, she'll just be in tears. She is completely overwhelmed by this auditory input without that in-person connection. And like the other day, um, you know, she finishes an online lesson, an online class session or whatever. She has like three or four days. And I said, I'm in the other room and I'm just overhearing, you know, and I said something like, well, honey, that sounds like fun. You get to write a story about a pretend leprechaun. That'll be so fun. And it's just silent, silent. And I'm like looking around, she okay? And she's looking up stuff on her little iPad and she goes, and she's just almost about to burst into tears. But mommy, that's not on my lessons. Well, it wasn't on her lessons. The teacher had just talked about it and they had discussed it for like 15 minutes. Mm. And she had, it's like she had no idea. It's like it didn't happen. And so I just, urgh, I just get so frustrated. Like you said, the tests aren't accurate. And I've talked to the teachers about that and said, I don't understand. We need to do intervention now. And here's what you just said before she fails. Mm -hmm. And they, they told me, when, well, we'll check again in a year or two. If things get worse, if she falls behind, I don't want to wait till she falls behind. I want to look at what's happening now and say something's going on. And she's at this age where I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm scared. She's going to start feeling like a loser if these online classes continue and she's that overwhelmed. Yeah. Didn't. Didn't you have a similar problem with your sweet boy, <laughs> your youngest as well? Yeah, I did. So Evan, my youngest, um, really struggled with writing and spelling. Um, and, you know, every year in the teacher conferences, I would bring up, I'm concerned about his spelling, and I would get the same response. Um, we're watching it. We're aware of it. He'll catch up. And so I was doing some you know, extra spelling work with him at home, um, you know, pretty informally, but, you know, just some extra practice, but, you know, he wasn't improving. And so I showed up for um, parent orientation night in fourth grade and, you know, how they've displayed artwork and, you know, yeah. different projects for parents to see. 
And uh, Evan had a picture with a story on the wall, and he had spelled his middle name W-I-L-Y-U-M, William. And I thought, my kid is in fourth grade and cannot spell his middle name. And he he had written a story about my husband, who was a fighter pilot at the time, and he said, people salute my dad, S-A-L-O-O-T, salute. So he was spelling phonetically. So standing in the middle of the hallway at the elementary school, I burst into tears and realized I failed as a mother. I failed as a psychologist. (laughs) But we trust. We trust the school system. Absolutely. And so I had him independently evaluated. Um, And lo and behold, my child had a severe auditory processing phonemic awareness deficit. He was an advanced reader because he had memorized words and fell through the cracks um, because he did not have basic phonemic awareness skills. And once I got those skills remediated, he took off. Okay. And can I just brag on him a little bit? Okay. You can brag on my kid. I'm going to brag on him. Took off is putting it mildly because he is a freshman in high school now, right? Sophomore. Sophomore. Oh, sophomore. Sophomore. Oh, he's Ian's age. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So he's a sophomore in high school, but not really. He's in college already. (laughs) Yes. He's a sophomore in college at 16. So it is amazing. Yeah. So he didn't just, he didn't just get back on track. No, by eighth grade, oh. he had tested into gifted and talented language arts. That's amazing. And I want that for my sweet Jadaria. I want her to be able to, I don't care if she's the top of the top, but I want her to feel confident and successful. Um, Cause it's, it causes problems in lots of areas. She just, she breaks down into tears um, when she meets up with obstacles and doesn't know how to get past those obstacles. And I, I just think some of that is because she's just, she feels that lack of confidence, that frustration that she's just not quite getting it so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and just breaks your heart that. as a mama. It does. And I want better for her. Okay. So you trusted the school system like I've been doing. Okay. Jadari's only in second. And obviously, I'm a little more aware of this because of your story and because of, you know, our experiences in cognitive research. But tell me, you got intervention for Evan. What was that? What did that look Yes. Like? So um, I put Evan through um, an intensive reading remediation program called ReadRx. Um, and it's a program that is offered at LearningRx brain training centers. And it is a sound to code reading and spelling program. And they they get down to the basic phonemic awareness, auditory analysis skills that are the foundation for reading ability. Okay. And so he went through about 120 hours of that program. And it's combined hours. with, yeah, well, it's combined with brain training okay. because- We know that reading actually takes cognitive skills as well, right? And so, I mean, reading, the reading ability requires processing speed and working memory and long-term memory and their, and attention. So there are, you know, cognitive components to reading. And so if you don't address those, you might improve some reading skills a little bit, but if you really want, um, to cover all of your bases, then you need to address the cognitive deficits that are there too. 
So 120 hours sounds, I mean, you say that and I go 120 hours, but what did that really look like in real life? Yeah. So that was 90 minutes, three days a week, um, you know, for about nine months. And yeah, sure. It was a lot of time. Um, but he had such an amazing connection with his cognitive trainer that he was so excited for those appointments three days a week. That was his special time to have this one-on-one, you know, therapeutic connection um, that really made him feel special. Nice. You know, that we were willing to commit to helping him. You know, a lot of times children that are struggling in school, when they walk in those school doors, they feel deflated, Right. And so then their motivation plummets. And, you know, even if even if they qualify for, you know, extra reading help in school, they aren't always motivated to engage. Right. Because it's just, oh, they think that I, you know, they think that I'm not going to succeed. They're just throwing me in this remedial room. Right. You know, but when you have your special outside after school appointment, um, it feels different. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of being taken out of the whole classroom situation and put right and missing is, more instruction and what my call my kids have called it and this is terrible this is absolutely terrible but they call it the dummies class mm-hmm. and when you get put in the dummies the dummies group yeah. and that's uh, well and, and even when teachers try to get creative and rename the groups the bear group the lion uh-huh. group the tiger group well everybody knows that the bear group is the dummy group is yeah everybody know everybody knows kids are yeah. uh, you know astute they pay and no matter what we say about that's not politically correct we shouldn't say that we kids do i'm sorry kids just do sure. they know and they begin to ostracize certain other peers and and let's just so. back up for a minute and say that we are not bad-mouthing public school. We are saying that this is just one aspect of schooling in general mm-hmm. that is lacking. Right. By virtue of mass education, yeah. right? Teachers yeah. can only do so much. Absolutely. You can only do so much. And so that's why you have to have supplemental education providers, to meet these needs. Right. You know, and that's sure. There are some things that schools can do better. There are some things that everybody, everyone can do better. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you have to rely on your resources. And I think as a parent, it's, I mean, as a mom, it's so hard. You're, you're juggling so many other things. It's a lot to keep up with. I think it takes a ton of initiative. It takes a ton of encouragement, a ton of hearing stories like this to realize I need to make this sacrifice financially, time-wise, whatever it takes. I need to do this because how do I put a price on my kid's future? How do I put a price on their their self-esteem? Yeah. And I, I, I think a lot of moms, a lot of parents don't hear this. They don't hear these stories. They just go along in the daily grind and we'll do your best. Tommy, go do your homework, you know? And, and they don't know that there's hope and there's opportunities to do something different. And I'm, hey, I'm blessed. I'm grateful that I have heard about Evan. I see the smarty pants Evan is now mm-hmm. and so confident. 
And so that when my little ones started having trouble, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm like, okay, I want this COVID stuff to be over because I want her to go get that training, which I know it can be done online, but for her, I want her to be in person. (laughs) It'll be better for her. So sure. Um, I wanted to ask uh, another question just about, so pursuing this kind of intervention there, we're, we're talking about um, the program that Evan did learning RX. Um, So this is, I mean, I don't know, question, opinion, whatever. Um, I know that it's important for people to realize that there are other opportunities out there as well. There are other um, programs, training programs, you know, hey, we're fans of learning our ex, but um, hey, Evan was totally transformed by it. And I want that for my kid. But one of my good friends actually teaches a dyslexia training program and she coaches kids um, in her little home office after school and has absolutely changed kids' lives, sure. just turn things around. There's, I think there's like Orton Gillingham dyslexia training. There's dyslexia training Institute where parents can actually get training or you can find um, a trainer in your area. So there, there are many things if we as parents can just take that initiative Right. Right. And you have to know that that exists and you have to know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to know that phonemic awareness is the critical component to a reading intervention, right? That we can't yeah. just choose tutoring because tutoring is reteaching the same content over and over and over again and expecting oh. a better result, right? If you, don't, if you don't remediate those foundational skills, then you can't build on anything. And so, yeah, absolutely. Well, a cool thing we have worked with in, in our work, we have worked with um, kiddos, done research with kiddos that have gone through... Um, the Learning RX training, and it's been amazing to see this little side benefit that's not a part of the training, but it was incredible to see parents comment over and over and over again, my kiddo is more confident, my kiddo is more responsible, my kiddo is more socially interactive, my kiddo is more emotionally in control. I mean, all these behavioral changes over and over, we had parents commenting on that. And I know that's not what the training is about, but what an awesome side benefit that is. I mean, as a mom, I'm like, is there a magic pill to, ha- to help my kid <laughs> behave better? And no, that's not what it's about. But I'm excited for her to go through training because I think we'll also see those benefits. Sure. And it, it makes me want to say, you know, how a drug will say may cause drowsiness, may cause, uh, you know, itchiness or hives or whatever. And so right. I love to be able to say may cause an increase in self-esteem, uh-huh. you know, may cause success on the ball field, may, you know, may cause nice. you to drive better. I mean, it's just, um, you know, there's certainly not a promise that you're going to get those pleasant side effects. But yes, it's been really exciting in our research. Um, to see those trends over and over and over again. But it makes sense, right? When you experience success, there's a psychosocial aspect to that for sure. Um, And here's the neat thing as well. Um, Your belief in your ability to perform well in school is a bigger predictor of academic achievement than your actual ability. Yes. Oh, Right. Yeah, so wish- when you when you begin to experience success and you begin to believe in your abilities um, and and believe that you can do it, 
that's a key part of, of achieving. Yeah. There's several, we've looked at, we've, you know, pulled a couple of those research studies. I wish I had them right in front of me, but yeah, there are, there's, there are bona fide peer reviewed research studies that, um, yeah, that tout that as truth. Your belief that you can do well is more important than your actual skill. (laughs) So. Well, and if, and if our listeners are interested in seeing our research, um, where we found that, uh, they can go to learningrx.com slash research and all of the, our research studies and, uh, data is there. Yeah. Well, I am more hopeful, Dr. Amy, you have brought great inspiration. And of course I already had some of that, but I wanted to, um, recount the stories so that, um, our listeners could hear and feel the same motivation and hopefulness that I now have for my struggling kiddo. Yeah. And Um, Terry, I appreciate your willingness to share your personal, you know, struggle with, you know, your child too, because, you know, I think it's super important that we share that, you know, we're, we're personally impacted, you know, by these struggles. This isn't just for our listeners. I mean, this is stuff we're living. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's what makes it so fresh and passionate. (laughs) It's real life. (laughs) Well, Dr. Amy, thank you so much. If our listeners have questions, what should they do? What should they do? They can, there are several things they could do, right? So they can email us, um, Dr. Amy at brainymoms.co or Terry at brainymoms.co. or if you want to learn more about the program that we talked about, you can go to learningrx.com. Okay. And we will have resources in the post. Yeah, we'll do show can, notes. Show yeah. notes in the post. You can check on links or anything you want to follow up with. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on all social media platforms um, under the handle at the Brainy Moms. All right, listen in so you can be more of a brainy mom too. You know you are. That's why you're here. And Amy, what do you always say? I always say, we're busy moms. You're busy moms. So we're out of here. We're out.